Welcome to the C21 podcast. My name's Jonathan Webdale. Today we hear from Warner Brothers Discovery's Jamie Cook, AMC Network's Catalin Radowski, A&E's Isabella Wiley, CME Group's Igor Draguzé, and a host of others about their content strategies for Central and Eastern Europe and the challenges and opportunities they see across the region. Jamie Cook is Warner Brothers Discovery General Manager for Central and Eastern Europe, the Baltics, Middle East, Mediterranean and Turkey. He worked for Discovery for many years prior to last year's merger with Warner Media and was among the keynote speakers at C21's Content Budapest in the Hungarian capital last week. Cook spoke with Nico Franks about the evolution of the new Warner Brothers Discovery business following a period of heavy cost-cutting, restructuring and the wind-down of HBO Europe. He also talked about his programming priorities within this new setup and the challenges and opportunities he sees in the coming 12 months. My name is uh, Nico Franks. I'm the editor of uh, Channel 21 International Magazine and a senior reporter at C21 Media. And I'm joined this morning by Jamie Cook, who has... Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thanks. You brought the fans. And uh, so, yes, we're going to have a bit of a deep dive into the strategy and the ongoing developments at Warner Bros. Discovery and the channels and the content it produces in this region. And you've got a, a fabulously long uh, job title there, Jamie. <laughs> so covering a huge kind of very diverse different regions there, not only Central and Eastern Europe, but the Baltics, the Middle East, Mediterranean, Turkey... How did you come to be at Warner Bros. Discovery in the sense that that's now a merged company uh, between two giants? Were you on the Warner Bros. side or the Discovery side? So, uh, yeah, I came from Discovery. I've been at Discovery for a long time, actually. I think this is year 17 or 18. Feels even longer. Um, actually, my background's in HR, so I didn't come up into a general management role in a, I guess, traditional way. Um, and I guess that, that kind of experience has helped me uh, get to where I am because of the diversity that we have to manage. So I think that kind of uh, grounding and understanding people and working with teams uh, has really helped kind of bring together quite a diverse set of um, markets, but also functions, because as well as the responsibility for the markets that I have from a P&L perspective, I also run almost all of the discovery networks for Europe. Uh, so that's the scheduling, the marketing, et cetera, for those brands. Okay. So a discovery veteran with a background in HR, kind of <laughs> ideally placed for because it has been a, a difficult merger, really. I don't think that's unfair to say. In terms of where we are now, in terms of the dust settling, is that team established? And in terms of the brands that you're looking to focus on, what are the, what are the priorities? Sometimes it feels like everything's a priority. <laughs> Um, I would say that for me, the strategy has been quite clear from the beginning, which is that I think that if you're going to if you're going to kind of make it and survive in the, the, the media landscape we face today, you need to create an ecosystem. Um, and I think that was the rationale and the power of bringing the, the two companies together, because you can take a piece of IP, whether it be you know, a movie. Um, and then it has a life across all the different assets we have. So from theatrical through to streaming, through to pay, through to uh, free-to-air, maybe into an AVOD space, fast space, uh, and consumer products as well. And so I think it's the, that's ultimately the strategy, is how you get that content across all those different platforms to where the consumers are, frankly. Um, and, and I think that's going to be the, the key to success for media companies going forward, because 
you know, on an individual basis, whether it be streaming or linear, all of those businesses are challenged for all companies. So you need to have the strength in, di in diversity, I think, to succeed. So that's kind of where the, where the, where the strategy is heading. Um, I would say that we've kind of out of the blocks pretty quickly. You mentioned the sort of the, the process we've been going through in terms of the restructuring. It was a difficult year in terms of, you know, unfortunately having to let people go and make some difficult decisions, uh, rationalize things. But I feel since the, since the beginning of the year, we've kind of been a lot clearer and aligned and sort of heading in the right direction now. Yeah, you mentioned difficult decisions there, one of which I imagine was the closure of HBO Europe, which was kind of for a period seemed like the jewel in the crown of Warner Brothers activities in this region. You know, it really focused on premium, really interesting, uh, challenging dramas in countries like Poland, Romania, shows like Burning Bush, award-winning projects, which for a period it seems like that's what, you know, the TV industry was kind of leaning towards. Tell me, what was the thinking behind the closure and where does that leave premium scripted drama from you in this region? Look, I think there are a few reasons for the, the changes that, that happened. I think the first is when you're, when you're bringing together the two big organizations and you, you need to remember that actually from a broadcast basis, uh, the combined company is one of the if one of the top two big largest broadcasters across Europe now. And so you have teams that are overlapping between um, linear commissioning, streaming commissioning, etc. So I think part of the, the rationale for the decision was that you know you need to combine combine teams. So we now have sort of one team for various um, parts of the business doing the commissioning and productions. So that, that, that was a, a part driver to it. Um, I think there is a, you know, a harsh and horrible reality of mergers, frankly, that there is a cost consideration that we all have to face. Um, and I think the third thing is it's not that we are um, not open for business when it comes to commissioning new ideas. Um, I think it's just a case of looking for the ideas that we think can travel. We had the recent release, of, which I know was under the, the previous HBO team, but I think a good example, when I walked into this job a year ago and saw the first sort of cuts of Spymaster in Romania, is that kind of show that I think is what we're looking for. And I think is really the kind of the holy grail for international companies, because if you can, back to my point about finding content that can go across all of the different parts of the ecosystem, for us, identifying content that can travel has local relevance but can travel is really is really really important so i think that is um that's going to be the focus for us going forward from a from a scripted perspective which is we're not saying that we're close to business at all but we're going to be very selective about the ideas that we look to take forward and there are so many fascinating stories aren't there to be still to be mined from this region and yeah spymaster definitely uh, is one of those in terms of yeah the local commissioning ambitions a big project coming out for you is the bridge Yes. So the, an unscripted format that originated, I think, out of Banerjee, Iberia, made in the UK, lots of different versions. So you've done a Hungarian version, and I think I've seen more of it than you have. Yes, I've seen, you have, I've seen yeah. the first episode. <laughs> and it's one of those great kind of unscripted shows that does kind of have, you know, feels like a drama. It's got those interpersonal kind of uh, disagreements, gender politics. It's, mm -hmm. it's a really interesting show. But tell me a bit about the premise. Yeah, so it's it's a you've kind of summed it up pretty well actually, which is you know a group of people coming together to complete a task. But I think it's not so much the task for me; it, it is the you say as you say the the relationships between the people and the personalities that come out from that, etc. So you mentioned there it's a one and only, but hopefully not. Is there is there more more unscripted commissions coming, and what are you looking for in unscripted commissions? Yeah, so um, I think we're quite clear on what's happened to the, the scripted side for the reasons we talked about. But for me, the walking into the role a year ago now 
One of the things that I'm really focused on is the doc is in the documentary space for HBO. We're still producing seven to ten a year and uh, very much focused on pushing the boundaries in Central Europe. Um, a lot of documentaries focused on LGBTQ plus storylines. And I feel that that's uh, I think it's important that those topics are raised and made, you know, yeah, raise awareness of them in this part of the world where some of those issues are, are challenged. The other thing that we've been talking about actually is sports. So uh, looking at sports documentaries is something else that we're kind of expanding in, into. And the reason for that is, one, is we have obviously our Eurosport business uh, and the Olympics. But secondly, uh, I, back to my comment on stories that can travel. And I think that sports can, can travel. And the other thing that I see as a trend on a lot of our platforms uh, is true crime. That could be scripted like a Spymaster or it could be you know, documentaries like um, the Amber and Johnny documentary that we recently showed. So I think these are the kind of the three, the three areas, uh, issues that kind of push social, social issues for change, uh, sports and then true crime. And how do some of those LGBTQ-themed documentaries, how are they received in markets where you know, there are real challenges for those communities? So I think that positive, positively, um, from, uh, we get a lot of positive feedback uh, on those. We don't get any kind of governmental pushback or anything like this. We, never, we haven't walked into any of these issues. We get kind of, you always get some haters on social media, but I think that's part of the, part of the task, actually, is to, is to kind of get that out in the open and into discussion. Uh, but generally, very positively received. We've, we've just been running a um, Pride Month campaign across TLC, for example, uh, with a number of shorts talking about love in all its different shapes and forms, uh, and then a lot of different um, content that we have from the US around that as well. So... I just feel like it's an important, it's, it's a role that we can play in, uh, um, in kind of changing opinions and shining light on topic in, in this part of the world. And could that bleed into formats in the sense that in the UK, shows like I Kissed a Boy, dating shows that, you know, feature kind of um, non-straight participants, that those are, you know, really big in terms of what people are talking about at the moment. Could you see a time when you commission a, you know, an I Kissed a Boy in Poland or something like that? Maybe. <laughs> Look, I think the messages were open for the ideas, right, and the discussions, and we want to push the boundaries. Um, we just have to decide what's the right idea and, and how we handle that. You know, part of my remit is also across um, Middle East and, and, and Turkey, and so you know, we have faced another set of issues there with these kind of topics where we have to take a, you know, a, a less direct approach at times. Um, so I think it's just about finding the right stories and being sensitive to how you land them in the, in the different parts of the world. Let's talk a bit about where the audience is in, in this region because it's not a unified you know, region in terms of where audiences are. Some countries streaming is, is a lot more popular. And then in others, you know, we heard yesterday that here in Hungary, uh, linear TV is really, really strong still. You know, it's, it's definitely not going anywhere. So where are you seeing the changes and how is that impacting your strategy given the shift with HBO Max that's going to become Max next year and, and where you kind of invest there? Yeah, so I think um, I think that what we've seen over the last two or three years in in terms of the streaming wars, as they're called, right, is kind of coming home to roost, if you like, because you can see that the 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 metrics of which companies are now judged are shifting from it just being all about subscribers to being about profitable subscribers, and to me that goes back to um, the the need to create that ecosystem that I mentioned, and I think that applies very much in this region. Um, as you mentioned, pay TV is not declining. In fact, we see it growing in some in some territories. Uh, I think consumers in Central Europe are very, very price sensitive, much more so than Western Europe, US, 
we don't see core cutting happening, right? So for me, it's a, we have to find the right balance between between linear and between and between streaming. And you know, my my belief is that from a streaming point of view, there are probably in this region, there's probably only space for from a consumer perspective to have I don't know three, maybe four at a push services. So one of them is definitely going to be a local service. Uh, one of them is probably going to be Netflix, right? So then there's, then there's space for one, maybe two more. And I guess that's why we believe coming in with the combined offer of Discovery Plus and HBO, which frankly were both niche services in my mind, right? Coming together into one, one streaming service, we think we can kind of fill one of, the, those, um, one of those slots that's available. But it needs to be done in conjunction with the linear business, right? It has to be created in this ecosystem, or I just don't think, I just don't think it's good for the consumer, frankly, to not have it done in that way. So I think, I think that's how I see it moving forward in this region. Um, that it's going to it's kind of going to continue as we are, I think, in many ways, just with with a question mark on how many streaming services the region and the markets and consumers can actually take. And what are you seeing in terms of the audience within HBO Max? How they're moving between the discovery content that's you know more kind of geared towards unscripted and the HBO content that's more geared towards drama. So um, I guess the only place where we have this happen so far is in the US, where Max has actually launched and the, 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 the contents combine into one service. And to be honest, it's a little bit early to say. It's been a month, so we haven't really seen any solid data or numbers yet that's worth talking about. I would say the initial signs are encouraging that people are, are testing and the discovery content. And the theory, the theory, I think, is that the HBO content is going to draw people in. You know, we've had phenomenal success with uh, The Last of Us, with Succession, these shows that we all know and love. But the trick is keeping them. And that's where we think that the, the depth of the library and the content that we have on the discovery side is going to be able to help that. That's the theory. I mean, we'll have to see over the next couple of years as we roll out the product whether that, that theory is correct. In terms of cooperation and co-productions in the region, are you looking to kind of do more of those? You know, could you do a pan-regional, the bridge, you know, with people from different countries, that, options like that? And if so, should the independent producers here be, be pitching those? I think they should be pitching them. Um, I think that I wouldn't say there is one strategy across the whole region from a content perspective because it varies by market, right? There could be acquisition strategies. There could be the documentaries that I mentioned. And if anyone's got any great big ideas, we should be talking about those. I think it's all about the, the quality rather than the quantity at this point. Um, so yeah, definitely we should be, you know, if people have ideas they want to share, pitch, we should, we should be talking about those. And how about, you know, given what we were saying about the strength of linear TV in certain markets, uh, most conferences now would be talking about free ad-supported streaming TV channels and fast and the future of fast and where that's going. Are you having conversations about fast channels and branded channels in, this, in the regions you, you oversee? So um, from a global perspective, we've uh, signed two deals in the US, kind of first steps into, into the, the fast world. And again, it's quite early to know how that's working. Um, I'm cautious <laughs> about it for Central Europe. Poland may be a different situation, but I think for the rest of Central Europe, I'm just I'm kind of waiting to see whether there's actually a model there that makes money, to be honest. Um, Middle East, however, that's interesting. So, you know, NBC have launched fast service with, I think they're launching 50 or 60 channels. Uh, and so, that, you know, we're obviously having conversations with all the partners who are launching these channels. But I have a, I, I'm, I'm not sure for CE, to be honest. I think the jury's out. Just, just in terms of whether it could be profitable or not. And take me through some of the, the, the kind of key linear channels that you've got. So Warner TV in Romania, that's, that's a, a big one. And then 
where else are you kind of in terms of potentially expanding the linear channels or, or where, are, where are the main focuses? So I think, um, I think the first thing to say, we have a very broad portfolio of channels uh, between the two companies. I think there is a question as we go into the next set of renewals and discussions with our partners, you know, what is the right mix of those channels? Um, have we got too many? Have we got, are they targeted in the right areas? That kind of thing. I believe that um, there's probably four or five channels I think that are priority for us. So I think that figure, we only have Warner Brothers TV in, in my region, Romania, and in, and in Poland as well, I think. But I think there is a question on whether that could be expanded um, further. So this is something we're thinking about. And then I think that, that um, Discovery, TLC, HGTV, Eurosport, they remain the kind of flagship channels for us um, and will continue to be, I think, as we, as we move forward. Again, it's all about the, the, the windowing strategy that we have across all the different parts of our business, I think. There's a, a question that's coming. They're asking if HBO content is going to be sold. So those third party, you know, it used to be everyone was keeping everything in-house. You know, you had HBO content on HBO, but now we are moving into this other world where, you know, that initial revenue stream could, could be quite useful. So, yeah, tell me a bit about that strategy. I think it's a really de delicate balance, right? Because I think we all, all media companies are facing the same kind of challenges from, a, you know, the, we have a macroeconomic issues that we're all facing. Um, we have the you know unknown streaming future and i think the game is as i said at the beginning the game has changed from it being all about your subscribers on streaming to profitability right i think that's just happening across across the board so i think we just have to look at these decisions on a case-by-case -case basis and see what makes sense you, you have to make sure you're retaining enough content to make the products and services we have compelling enough for people but at the same time, we want to get our content in front of where the consumers are. So, you know, I'm not adverse to bending some of those rules of exclusivity from time to time. I think it's a perfectly legitimate thing to do mm -hmm. um, in terms of giving, you know, getting the content to where the people are. You have to think about what the product is, right? So that the new product is the home of all of the content that Warner Brothers Discovery has. And so I think HBO exists as a brand with inside that product, alongside DC, alongside uh, Discovery, alongside TLC, alongside you know, Warner Brothers Studio content. So we had to find a way to you know, create a home for all of it, if you like. Um, so I think the HBO brand absolutely still exists and is a major part of inside the product, right? Um, it's all about how you're navigating the consumers to where they want to go inside the, inside the service. And the kids' content as well, because people, yeah, you know, HBO and you know, the Sopranos sitting next to Bugs Bunny, you know, it's not a... For parents, they might worry. So, is that well, I think that the good thing is that we're introducing a kids' profile on the service, and I, you know, I think this is a key thing for us moving forward. Actually, I think that will provide you know a safer place for parents to to have that content alongside. I think that that wasn't the case in the past. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that the kids' content is really really important for us. Actually, I have a question about the linear side, but I think in the streaming world where kids are consuming the content, having that on the service is a good thing. I think the aim, as I said, is to have all the content that we own in one place. It's all about the curation. I love HBO content, but it is a niche product, as I said, right? And so you can't have the umbrella brand being just a part of what we offer. Any questions from the audience? Yes. Yes. I'm a producer from Poland, and I was wondering how will this landscape look like for producers? I mean, uh, before we knew where to pitch our concepts, uh, what kind of quality HBO demands from producers, but how it will look right now? I think the first thing I would say is you need to bear with us. We, you know, we are, we're a year into the restructuring and the, the bringing together the companies, right? In reality, it's not really a year because the sort of big decisions were made in the US a year ago. 
I've been in my role for a year, for a year, but we didn't actually start kind of working in the teams until really January this year. So I think part of it is we need to we need to get better at figuring out some of the processes and places you need to pitch, etc. So I think that's the first thing to say. I think in the short term, if you've got great ideas while we're sorting out those processes, I think you can you can email me <laughs> and I can help you, point you in the right direction to people. I think that's the best way to do it, honestly, right now. We, or we can maybe provide some other names for people for you to contact. Um, I would just say bear with us as we figure out some of the questions you're asking. Um, I'll ask about what you see as so a two-tiered question. What's the biggest challenge in the regions you oversee and the biggest opportunity at the moment? Wow. Um, I think the biggest challenge is just the reality that we're all facing from a macroeconomic perspective. Inflation, um, uncertainty, war, populism. I think all these things that we are, that we are facing, uh, they're a real challenge for all of us. And actually, in some ways, in that lies the opportunity for us to you know, come together on, on great content projects or come together on new business ideas because I, I tend to feel that out of chaos, which I feel like we're in at the moment, does come great things. So I think that that's kind of the opportunity and the, the risk that I see at a kind of a, a, a macro level. I think at a more kind of specific media business level, I think it is this question. Again, it's opportunity and a, and a threat for all of us. What is the right balance of the amount of services that consumers are willing to pay for? What is the right balance of content between very locally focused stories and some of the you know, content that can travel? I think those are the challenges. It just feels like a big swirling kind of, as I said, chaos at the moment. So I think that's the, 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 the kind of the threat because in that chaos, the, the one thing you can do is kind of stand still and, um, and panic <laughs> or not move. Or you can just start to do little things step by step and test and, and see what works. And that's what's quite exciting to me about the region that I'm responsible for. Collectively, the markets that I'm responsible for make up a big chunk of the business we have in Europe. But actually, on an individual basis, each individual country, while important, doesn't you know, contribute significant amounts of money. Or... So it gives me a chance to play. It gives us uh, lots of different markets to test in, to try new things in. And so that's what, quite exci- what excites me about the, the kind of challenges we're facing at the moment. Fantastic. Well, we are out of time. So uh, I'd just like to thank you, Jamie, for, for joining me. And thanks to the audience. AMC Networks International, A&E Networks EMEA and Warner Brothers Discovery-backed Turkish SVOD service Blue TV operate businesses across the Central and Eastern European region, each with their own distinctive content strategies. Execs from the three companies were among those speaking at C21's Content Budapest last week about the dynamics driving their commissioning decisions, the areas in which they're looking to partner and how they're innovating to stay competitive amid challenging economic times. AMC Networks International Vice President of Programming, Kathleen Radowski, A&E Networks EMEA Senior Vice President and General Manager for Central and Eastern Europe, Isabella Wiley, and Blue TV Board Member and Managing Director of International, Mustafa Alpe Gula, spoke with me about these issues and more. Thanks very much for joining us. I've got a great panel set for you here today to talk about their commissioning plans, their uh, programming priorities across this region. So um, I just thought it would be good to get an overview of of all of your businesses. So, um, Kathleen, could I ask you to to go first and just give us a a quick overview? Sure. So AMC Networks International Central and uh, Northern Europe is an 
operating unit of uh, MC Networks International. We have a um, big uh, variety in terms of genres in our portfolio, covering the whole region in all in all 34 different feeds and uh, uh, 11 brands in the central and uh, eastern Europe in these uh, territories. Um, our portfolio includes uh, film channels like AMC, Film Cafe, Filmania, kids' brands like uh, Minimax and Jim Jam, lifestyle channels, uh, Spectrum Home, TV Paprika, and a documentary channel called Spectrum. And uh, I would add two sport channels as well. So. Okay, Isabella? I represent a and &E Networks, uh, based in Warsaw, responsible for Central Eastern Europe as well as Germany, Austria and Switzerland. We operate three brands in the region. This is um, History Channel, History 2 and Crime and Investigation. Being with the company for 10 years, seeing uh, a, a huge transition and uh, transformation of the, of the media landscape. Yeah, Blue TV is the first um, subscription video on demand service in, in Turkey. Um, and in fact, Blue TV is many of the first in, in Turkey and in the region. Uh, also, the first uh, subscription video on demand service, I think, in EMEA, producing its own uh, originals as, a, as an OTT service. And probably we are the first OTT service launching its own linear channels within the service uh, as well, like two channels we introduced in Turkey and one channel abroad in Arabic, and now planning the Spanish one. So basically, we are... we. We, we are an OTT service, but we are adding uh, different services to, to our service. Great, thanks. Um, so two businesses which are US-owned but operating obviously locally and extensively across the region. Can you give us an idea of the extent to which you're, you're producing locally and commissioning and partnering with, with uh, local players versus you know, all of the, the programming that comes across from the US? Um, we are quite active in local production, but uh, not in fiction. However, we have a, a project I will uh, tell you later about. So mostly on the factual side for our lifestyle and documentary uh, uh, channels. We produce about 100, 150 hours per year. So we are quite active in local production. However, mostly most of our content on these channels are acquired not only from US, but also from Europe, and not only uh, from Hollywood uh, studios for the film channels, but also uh, from European countries and also from ca uh, Canada as, uh, as well. Just one thing I would add on the fiction front. Yesterday, you had a chance to see if you participated on the pitch forum in the afternoon, the last one called Fata Morgana. That is the one we picked up a couple of years ago and we decided to invest some money in it. And I was quite happy to see it here. And uh, I would encourage uh, everybody to invest in that project. So I would love to see that on screen at some point. So, so sorry, are you saying that you are now moving into fiction with that project? Uh, we are not moving into fiction because we have the US series on, on, uh, on our channels, but uh, that, was, that was a special one. We felt the script so strong and it's a local story that uh, we teamed up with Oble, who presented yesterday, uh, Fata Morgana, 
and uh, this is a, a standalone, uh, a one-off project. So we'll see how that one is fiction; it's not factual. So it's a special one. We'll see how it goes. So, so what stage is that at in terms of you know when it might make its way? It to is your in still in development. Some scripts are, are done, and uh, they are still looking for some funds okay. to, to make it happen. Okay, but to be clear, it, it, non-fiction remains your, your priority. That's a, that's a, yeah. a standalone project. Non-fiction is the, the one we continue with. And so in, when it comes to working with partners across the region, I mean, can you, can you break down? Obviously, you're across a number of countries, so can you just sort of say a little bit more about your priorities in terms of production within those different countries, you know, the emphasis that's that's there and the sorts of shows, a little bit more depth on the sorts of shows that you're looking for? Yeah, our current focus is on the Czech Republic as we just launched the Spectrum Home, the lifestyle channel on a free-to-air base. We have free local productions for this year and we are looking for some more for next year. These are, as I said, factual programs that fits the, the best to the channel. And we are looking for documentaries for Spectrum for next year. Currently, we have uh, two different projects, uh, one for Czech Republic, one for Slovakia as a local production in the documentary uh, runner. In Romania, we have one in uh, production that is a cooking show. And um, yeah, mainly that's it. But every year we are looking for new ideas, something uh, that would fit the best to the channel audience and the and the genres. What sort of subjects are kind of top of mind for you at the minute? And you know, when you talk about documentary, you're talking contemporary, you're talking historical. I mean, on the documentary field, we would expect a project with. Uh, Usually what we get, those are either so narrow focus, just one topic, or very hard to digest for the viewers. We did some in the past, like uh, Taboos Without Taboo, Born in Auschwitz, and that has a special place on the channel. But currently our focus more in the uh, edutainment that is uh, entertaining as well. We can run it not only in the evening, but also daytime. We can repeat it, and yeah, it's a light entertainment for for our viewers. Okay, and we're talking and series, kind of what, series, what, what yeah. sort of length of series? Uh, the length talking? of the series would be between somewhere between six to ten mm-hmm. episodes, and. Um, half an hour to one hour but mostly half an hour shows right. Isabella sort of same same question for you I guess going back to the you know the mix of, of US programming and homegrown originals or, or commissioned locally content we are lucky to have quite a lot of uh, great content from US but we are actually uh, headquartered in London in terms of the EMEA operations and uh, commission a lot in all our offices across uh, Europe, Middle East and Africa. UK being obviously the the biggest, the most active commissioner in terms of uh, local local content. When it comes to CEE markets, we operate biggest channels in Poland, in Romania and Hungary, and these are the markets we commission in the most. In Poland, uh, we commission uh, history content and true crime content for crime and investigation. Uh, In Romania, it's history again, and in Hungary, we're just looking for partners to do some history uh, productions. 
I heard you were asking Kathleen about the, the type of storytelling that we are after. So one of the US producers talks about uh, history content as hiding a broccoli, which means we want to... <laughs> We want to deliver something nutritious, which is a piece of knowledge, of information, of education, but it needs to be very easy to digest, very pleasant. So we are uh, trying to tell stories that are entertaining, that hook viewers, uh, and that have cliffhangers at the end of the episode. This is, you know, this is not a documentary in the sense of... Uh, uh, professor's lecture and, you know, a boring thing that people avoid watching. It needs to be pleasant and people finish watching an episode and suddenly they're smarter and it didn't hurt. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the, 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 the storytelling, that's the scripts we're after. Let me just add, uh, yeah, I totally agree with you. We just had a project and they actually we just uh, had the second season of that uh, fortresses of Hungary, Várfoglalók, with a host who is a radio host anyway, but he has a passion towards uh, uh, castles, fortresses. He's going uh, a different part of Hungary every weekend, and he's not just a host or, or a talent in the show, but he's also an editor. And uh, this, his passion uh, comes through the, the screen, and it is so entertaining and uh, gives some uh, education or knowledge about it. So exactly, I, I think we are after <laughs> the, the, same, the very same thing for, for our channels. Um, Mustafa, how about you? Just, just delve a little bit deeper into your programming, if you would, and explain a bit about potential opportunities for producers or distributors to kind of work with you. Yes, uh, of course. Um, I mean, our home home market is Turkey and so most of our programming especially local programming is Turkish series a little bit in fact very very different from the traditional Turkish TV series and so we have been uh, since 2016 we have been producing uh, I think we produced around 400 hours of uh, original content and 80% of the production more than 80% was scripted and most of the time the, the content uh, was like uh, crime, drama, and even if it's a love or romantic, uh, it is always edgier than what it, it is used to be on television, I mean on the free-to-air television. And, and the rest of the content was unscripted. It is, it, it is documentaries, weekly programs, even kids' content uh, we produced in the last two years. Uh, the good thing about um, our local programming, our partners in the market is... Thanks God that we are producing Turkish content because it is traveling a lot. So uh, it was uh, it was much more reasonable for us to invest in Turkish content in a, at the local level. And now uh, we are distributing to either on our own or uh, through our partners who are joining our projects either through co-financing or co-production. And... Especially uh, in the last two years, we have partners from Middle East, Asia, and now from uh, Central Eastern Europe, and of course Latin America. We are developing new projects uh, nowadays, uh, and uh, we have co-producers. Um, this is this is a very good advantage to be able to continue uh, producing local 
content for our service because I will give you a statistic here. We produce 400 hours of original content, but of course, as an OTT service, we need to deliver other content to our customers. So, of course, we are licensing international content. Uh, for example, two years ago, we uh, did a deal with Discovery, HBO, and everything, other studios. Uh, these are available. We have live TV, etc. cetera. Uh, but the thing is, this uh, local programming is the main driver of our service. If it is 5% of our total library hours, it is delivering 50% plus uh, of our customers to the service. And then, of course, they enjoy the rest of the programming in our platform. So local programming is important, um, but uh, very, also very difficult part. So we partner with uh, other international players, producers, uh, broadcasters who know or who enjoy the Turkish content already or will uh, experiencing good results. Uh, so uh, that's what we do basically right now. So, so where are the sort of sweet spots, I suppose, in terms of you know, partnering with you? Where are you looking to really move the business forward at the moment? Yeah, uh, we, first of all, we would like to keep our momentum. I mean, keep producing every year 80, 90 hours of original content minimum. So in order to do that, we are uh, we definitely need uh, producers, uh, co-producers, partners in that. Uh, so, uh, for example, the upcoming projects, uh, we are looking for partners for those and basically scripted content. That's what uh, we are uh, mostly investing. Uh, there was a question about uh, telling the story in a different way. Uh, while you were telling about the history and educating and everything, we made a documentary about environmental issues, specifically focusing on Turkey. And rather than telling this is the, these are the problems, what shall we do next morning or whatever type of uh, documentary, we created a character, for example, split in mind. So like one side is saying, okay, I mean, these environmental issues will be handled. What can I do as a person? It's, you are exaggerating. It's not that big problem. The other side says, uh, so much concerned. And every day uh, she wakes up. Uh, she wakes up the nightmares of uh, this environmental issues. So these two minds uh, conflict each other during the documentary. So you watch a character rather than watching a, a, a pure documentary. So giving the story in a different way is very important, I agree, by the way. Okay. Um, anybody got any questions at this point? Could you, could you just wait for the microphone? Thank you and say who you are. I am Claudia. Mustafa, I have a question. You, in your introduction, you were telling something about Spanish content. Can you explain what are you doing about it? Uh, yes, I mean... Uh, as you know, I mean, Turkish content uh, is, I mean, naturally traveling in Middle East and Latin America, whatever you do. I mean, even if you stop and do nothing, it goes there. Uh, it is something uh, crazy. So uh, we always invest in, of course, Spanish dubbing, subtitling of whatever we produce. And uh, of course, we at this point of time, we mostly license to the region. Um, but uh, now we, are, we have some plans also creating a linear channel, a fast channel, uh, basically, in Spanish as well, with our original content. And we have done uh, in Arabic already, so let's do the Spanish one. 
And rather than uh, working directly in those markets like Latin America, which is far away from us and it is very difficult to reach customers direct to consumer, you know, uh, one by one, we are partnering with the distributors as well in the region. Uh, we had some small deals in the region about blue TV add-ons and, uh, you know, branded areas in some services. Uh, we are still discussing um, uh, also some other partners in the region. Of course, uh, right now there's something else uh, which is developing stage. Uh, as two years ago, um, Warner Bros. Discovery uh, became our partner. Uh, so there's a natural extension. I mean, for example, uh, Max or HBO Max in Latin America, where we always exchange ideas, also developing or licensing uh, in that region as well. So uh, Latin American market is very, very critical and very uh, promising. I just wondered if we could talk a little bit more about how you're, you know, changing given the sort of current economic climate that we're in, the fact that, you know, obviously a lot of streamers, broadcasters are having to, to rein in their budgets. I mean, how, how are you responding to that, you know, and, and, and is that kind of filtering through into your, your program strategy and your commissioning? Or is it a boost to, to co-production opportunities? Are you needing to do more co-productions, for example? Well, we're not detached from the overall economy, so if there is less money in people's purses, then obviously that affects everyone uh, because people drop subscriptions uh, and they the, the advertisers invest less in commercial breaks and that filters to all the budgets. And when you don't have revenue as you planned in the budget, the costs need to come down as well. And that also applies to the programming investments. We actually at a and &E have been quite um, conservative in planning our um, commissions. So luckily we didn't have to cut uh, any planned investments. But at the same time, I believe that by partnering with other companies, we can do more because we can pair the budgets, we can do much bigger shows, bigger scale productions. We can contribute some, let's say, archive materials that we can uh, add some fresh productions to it and create something interesting. So definitely, I think this is the time of being creative and, and, and working together. Uh, although the CEE region is, uh, is a difficult region to, for people to cooperate. I, I don't know why is that. We are quite individualistic. Um, but uh, yeah, th this is definitely the time in the economy being in the hard place as it is right now, partnering, doing things uh, together, sharing the broadcast windows uh, is definitely the way to go. Kind of same with us. We, thank God, we didn't experience any decrease in our programming budget. But uh, you're right, we have to be very smart uh, with the allocation, which project we come 
summit for the for the next year we try to focus on uh, really passionate talents who would advocate not only for the project but also for the channel uh, because it's really hard to have outstanding uh, programs or project lo even local productions if you consider that how many players are producing uh, different shows, not to mention the big talent shows on, on the free-to-air channels. So we try to be very smart with, uh, with our uh, investment on, on our channels and uh, we try to look ahead. So not just the next couple of, um, I mean, half a year or one year, but uh, on, on a longer term. To work with someone, yeah. I just wanted to add, so a place we look at is, for example, UK, where our crime and investigation channel partnered through a production company with Netflix, and there is a show, uh, I Am a Killer, uh, there is a few seasons of that, and it's doing fantastically well on the channel, and it's doing really well on the Netflix service. And obviously, the production value of that uh, show is much higher because uh, two companies are investing in it. Everything powered by the production company who manages egos on both sides. Uh, so it's it's working really well, uh, and, and it's possible. So uh, that, that is something that uh, I'm definitely uh, going to look at in the future. Yeah. Did you want to come in there, Mustafa? Yeah, on the economic conditions, I mean, challenging economic conditions, of course, naturally, we are focusing on different revenue streams and diversifying the business in, in certain cases. That's, that's one of the main focus we have been doing. So in addition to co-productions projects that we have accelerated, we also focused on um, different um, monetization methods of our content, like creating um, channels and distributing them even to our uh, like semi-competitors, even in the local mar market. Uh, for example, we have a channel um, which is composed of our originals, and we are distributing in Turkey uh, to other OTT players, not OTT players, but pay TV operators, for example. Um, as an, of course, subscription uh, video on demand service, uh, increasing the prices naturally. And uh, there has been a big inflation everywhere in the world, but ours was a little bit worse. Um, so uh, we were uh, we were able to uh, uh, increase the prices. That's good, uh, but uh, those were some challenges. Mm. But you, you, you're suggesting um, you're also talking about sort of increasingly becoming a little bit more open, I suppose, to different kinds of partnerships and and mm. working together with with parties that you might not have done previously. But I thought it was interesting your comment saying that particularly within this region, that's not something that's previously kind of happened much before. <laughs> You said you described kind of CE players as being a little bit individualistic, I think, and, you know, perhaps opposed to collaboration. Can you just sort of break that down a little bit more? And, you know, one of the things we're really interested in hearing about at this event is, you know, pan-regional kind of collaboration and co-productions as well. So can you expand on that point? So I spent uh, quite a few years in, in, in big American corporations, previously in the current Paramount uh, organization. And we tried to work with various terrestrial broadcasters in various countries. And usually people in local countries 
companies, they say what you, an American or a British, you know, company, know about our local market. You have nothing to offer. You don't know our audience. You don't know, you know, the the way uh, you, we should be telling stories. We are the know-all about the local market, and I while I have massive respect to the local broadcasters who've built uh, huge market share and resonance with their audience, I believe that there are certain ways of telling stories that the international companies can bring to the local players. And this partnership can create a, a really nice outcome but it's not always, you know, that that open and that collaborative. Is that your experience as well? Yeah, plus everyone wants to have the exclusive rights for a long term. So that makes it hard, really hard to to have this uh, co-production opportunity for the same very same territory. So I agree do, with do, you. Do you think that's going to change, though? This situation is going to change? It's evolving? I mean, does it need to change? Um, uh, I think if you are lucky, and uh, in in our case, uh, we have certain territories we want, very want to have or very need exclusive rights. And if we find uh, partners for this co-production from other territories, like in case of Born in Auschwitz, that was just uh, one project, and uh, we met uh, the production company managed to find uh, funds from France, from Germany, and from different countries. So there wasn't any clash with the broadcasters. So it was uh, easier to to make the project happen because each and every broadcaster had their own exclusive rights for that uh, given territory. Okay. We've just got sort of six, seven minutes left if anybody does have more questions. Um, well, as a Turkish producer, I can say that I prefer, instead of giving all the rights forever for 15% production house commission to some big uh, like Netflix, like Disney, I prefer to work with a couple of local broadcasters, enter into the development with us, get parts of IP or whatever, and this is much more win-win situation, and I think that this is the only way to compete with the giants. So I completely agree with you on, on this, and it may, let me put it as a question, Kathleen, and Isabel, we already work with Blue TV, so I know that they are open to this. Are you open to cooperate with some locals and you know among yourselves? If I understood correctly, the the model you are uh, suggesting we should consider is kind of sharing the rights in a longer term. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. I know that this is the model, for example, in, in the UK. That's how they work with producers and they're able to produce more because they don't have to finance everything themselves. So, yeah, definitely. I think this, this must be the way of thinking because we have been doing things a certain way and we are very attached to, you know, that's how it's done here. But actually, I think this is the time when we need to kind of open this book again and look at different opportunities. So yeah, definitely for us. 
On, on one hand, I would say, yes, we would be interested in however we have uh, channels in the very same genre, so we are competitors. <laughs> uh, and on the other hand, when we talk with platforms about our channels, what we have, what we can offer, I mean, linear channels, let's say to Hungarian Telecom or Vodafone or the local platforms, they always want to see uh, what we have uh, as an exclusive project on, on our channels. So it's... It, uh, we would really need to figure out the right model for this uh, for this Central uh, Eastern European region, if I can call it a region, uh, how to team up with each other. But theoretically, I would say yes, that we, we could make more project together. We had another question somewhere over here. I just want to know if you are open also to ready-made content from, for example, Latin America, if it's premium content, if you're open to... Spanish-speaking content, for example? Uh, it, it, it's a good question. We have channels uh, um, both in Spain and Portugal and also in LATAM, uh, not only MC, but uh, Cocina and many other channels, the same portfolio they have there, what we have here. We tried uh, uh, some of them, mostly cooking. That works well. We haven't tried any other genre. Uh, that they have produced and uh, we also broadcasted. It depends on the, the, the given project or, or the show. Not everything travels uh, or works uh, here in this region. We will look at any content, uh, the, the, the paramount is whether it will resonate with our viewers. And, you know, there are, especially in terms of uh, history, it's as local as comedy <laughs> and as emotional uh, locally. So some stories that are very relevant to Latin American audiences uh, can, may not really resonate in, in, in here because these are not the, the history, you know, yes. uh, stories that people know here. Yeah. But maybe in the crime. Crime, absolutely. Yeah. True crime is definitely uh, a path. Yeah. Definitely. And you? In fact, um, yes and no. I mean, normally, yes, I would. Um, we haven't done until now, or uh, basically a kind of uh, co-production or licensing from uh, from the region. But historically, uh, in Turkey, for example, Latin American content was very, very strong uh, long time ago. Uh, I think uh, it is. We are definitely open to create ideas together. That's for sure. Okay, I'll, I'll just sort of finish up. I mean, you, you mentioned fast channels. One of the sort of points of this session is, you know, the way in which you're innovating to sort of stay ahead of the competition. Fast is a thing for you. Um, I think A and E is doing sort of stuff in the in, in the fast space. AMC, I'm not so sure about. In, I mean, in the US. In yes. the US. So, but as far as the C region is concerned, is is it a thing? I mean, linear TV is much stronger here. Uh, that's my sense of things than in some other parts of the world. So what's your kind of view on that? Yes, it is. And yesterday we could hear it in the morning session that uh, the 90% of fast channels, that is US. So, and especially this region, I don't really think that uh, um, that is the next big thing, especially for Hungary or for this region. Germany, I would say yes, or other countries, but not, not here. In the UK, it's going really well, but I think the, the key benefit to viewers who access fast channels 
is not having to pay steep subscription fee. And because our subscriptions in, in CE are so attractive, so low, uncomparable to US or to UK, there is a lot of content, fantastic content that you can access as part of your cable or satellite subscription. No need to go and watch, you know, uh, advertising on, on, on fast channels. Uh, just to get access to content. And as long as, uh, you know, TV is quite cheap, uh, I think that fast will, will, will not be that fast in here. <laughs> okay. In fact, this is totally new for us. Uh, we definitely love to explore here and sometime later, um, extending our existing uh, channels which are available in Turkey in different platforms. Uh, into this region and other regions, localizing the channel and everything. Uh, we are open to any partners who would be interested in Blue TV Originals channel. Uh, as we have in Arabic, why don't we have also in this region? Normally, this region has been very difficult. We have never much concentrated uh, because of the diversity of the language and everything. It was not really um, economical to create and launch something, but if there are such partners uh, in the market who would be volunteering in multiple countries uh, to localize our content and uh, stream linear or uh, video on demand, we are definitely open. And again, uh, in this market, uh, we have never done a co-production deal, uh, again, because of the language barriers and everything. Uh, but again, we are open to do, discuss this. As another innovation going forward, quickly, we are this year introducing advertising model, uh, which was not available before. Right, okay. <laughs> we haven't got time, I'm afraid, to go, to go into more depth on that one. But um, thanks very much, uh, Mustafa, Isabella and Catalin, and uh, thank you all for, for coming. GO3 is the SVOD service run across the Baltic countries by TV3 Group, operator of 14 free and pay TV channels also in Estonia, Latvia and Lithuania. Telecom Serbia is the leading telco in the Western Balkans and among the region's largest TV producers, distributing homegrown shows not only through its own platform, but via partners such as Disney+, Globo and RTL. CME Group, meanwhile, runs 43 channels across the Czech Republic, Romania, Slovakia, Bulgaria, Slovenia, Moldova and Croatia, and is in the process of expanding the reach of its Voyo SVOD service across these territories. Go3 Chief Executive Jan Wikritovic, Telecom Serbia Director of Content Production and Sales Yasmina Lakobrija, and CME Group Chief Content Officer Igor Draguze spoke to me about their programming strategies and priorities, opportunities for co-production and partnerships, and the challenges facing their businesses and the industry in the coming months. Delighted to be joined today to hear about some of the uh, local platforms operating across the Central and Eastern European markets and, and to hear about their programming priorities, opportunities perhaps for, for co-productions and, and partnerships with some of you, and um, to get a sense, I suppose, of some of the trends as well that they see shaping the region. So um, I'm delighted to introduce Jan from, from Go3, from TV3. Hello. Yasmina from Telecom Serbia and uh, Igor Hello. from CME Group. Uh, thanks very much for joining us. Could each of you just give us a, a, a quick 
snapshot of your businesses um, to give everybody a flavor of uh, what you're all about, please. So Go3, I'm representing Go3. Go3 is a streaming slash OTT platform which operates in the Baltic countries. It uh, was launched in 2019, and so far we grew to half a million of customers. And I think that uh, we are one of the few territories in Europe where a local OTT player uh, has battled back the uh, global giants like uh, Netflix. We have done that through a uh, large investment in securing local IP. Uh, so far, we produced more than 180 uh, originals uh, during the first three years. I think it's worth also saying that, uh, as I think Jamie yesterday was mentioning, that it's really important to be part of larger ecosystem, that uh, we belong to the group which uh, is a TV3 group. Uh, we operate 12 uh, uh, free-to-air channels in the Baltic uh, countries. We are the leading media group. As well, we do have a strong brother or sister, which is Telco, um, in, in, in the region. I think maybe as an introduction, one thing about the Baltics itself, as we probably usually perceive Baltics as, as a region, but in reality it's three countries. These are three different countries with three different languages, three different cultural contexts, and three different triggers for, for the pay TV and free TV business as well. So I will be referring to that uh, during later questions. Yasmina. Okay, so uh, my name is Yasmina and uh, I come from Telecom Serbia. Telecom Serbia is the biggest telco operator in the Western Balkan region, actually present in four countries of uh, Western Balkans and three countries of Western Europe. And through our services, we are actually present in the whole world. So we are a classical telco operator, but um, I like to say with a twist, because we actually produce content. And in the past uh, five years, since 2018, we actually uh, became the biggest producer in this part of Europe. Um, until now, we have produced more than 60 titles and um, more than 850 hours of quality content. So we are producing mainly to feed our OTT platforms, subscription platforms, uh, channels, linear channels, but then we realize that actually uh, there is a quality and there is global interest in our content. So we started the distribution, partnered with uh, the names like Betafilm, who actually acquired two of our titles. So some of our titles are already, for example, on Amazon Prime Germany, then on um, Global Play in Brazil, Flix Latino, Voyo platform in Slovenia, uh, Disney Plus, Hotstar in India, etc. And yes, we are looking forward to, to new partnerships and, and results that we are hoping to achieve in the future. Great, thank you. Igor? Well, I work for the CME Group, which is an integrated uh, broadcaster and streamer operating in six markets in Central and Eastern Europe. Uh, we have uh, Voyo SWOT service uh, present uh, with that brand in five of those markets. Croatia will be joining uh, from uh, September. Uh, we operate 43 linear channels and, um, you know, for us it was a natural extension to also uh, step into um, SWOT. When it comes to size, 
In Czech Republic, uh, Slovakia, we are over half a million uh, users. We are the number two SVOD service in um, Czech Republic, just behind Netflix. Uh, in Slovenia, we are actually ahead of Netflix as the number one um, service. We try to position ourselves as the local champion, so primarily focusing on uh, producing and um, featuring uh, local content, um, but we offer a variety of, um, of genre. Great, thank you very much. You mentioned some of the international partnerships that you have. Um, can we talk more broadly perhaps about the way in which you are kind of partnering with companies and, and, and uh, you know, countries beyond the Central and Eastern European region first, and then perhaps we can talk a little bit about the collaboration and co-production opportunities you know, within the region itself as well. Do you want to expand on those, those relations? Okay, I already mentioned that uh, the partnership that we are having with the distributors, uh, but what is new and uh, what actually proved that we are a reliable partner is the partnership that we recently entered. And um, I can't really reveal much, but I will say what I can say right now. So, uh, we um, entered a com commissioning relationship uh, with one of the global biggest platforms and actually biggest Spanish uh, national broadcaster and uh, with Plano a Plano, production company from Spain, um, responsible for, for the smashing hit uh, Casa de Papel, uh, with the writers of Casa de Papel. Uh, so the name of the project is Cicatriz, or The Scar, actually based on a book by the biggest Spanish living author, Juan Gomez Jurado. And, um, well, that, that was actually organic. A partnership because one of the line of the stories uh, is actually happening in Serbia and we are also going to have a Serbian cast. Uh, the mainly production will be done in Marbella and uh, we are really looking forward to that. We are going to be present also creatively in the sense of casting, in the sense of story line connected to Serbia. So um, we are looking forward and uh, we are going to have the uh, resell rights for XU territories. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's the thing that how we are actually uh, 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 developing that international uh, uh, partnerships and. So we are out in a perfect marriage with uh, international partners, big giants. Uh, why is it so? If you look at the way they are rolling out their businesses across other markets, uh, no matter how big the market is, you need to set up same operations, same organization to, to serve properly the market. I'm saying properly, not like from the headquarter. So markets like Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia, all together, six and a half million people, three different countries, three different languages, as I, as I said, three different uh, specifics, how to tap into the market are not the ones where the big giants would go first. That's, that's uh, clear. But these are very attractive markets. People are uh, willing to watch Netflix, HBO, the Discovery, Paramount content as well. And then we, as I said, we are in a perfect marriage because what we can provide is all the ecosystem where they can get part of. 
Uh, when saying ecosystem is the, just the access to customers, uh, the uh, marketing power as TV3 Group, and then the distribution power through uh, telecom. So since the beginning, we, we were the first to launch Discovery Plus on Go3, where customers can access all Discovery Plus content, including linear and nonlinear, on Go3 platform. Then we were the partner to launch for Paramount Plus as well in the Baltics. And now, these days, when we are sitting here, we are launching, we extended the partnership with Warner Bros. Discovery, and we are launching HBO content on the platform. And I think that uh, it it's really works well. Yesterday, there has been a lot of discussions on the needs customers have. Uh, how do they watch? It's like this focus, non-focus background. Uh, and our aim is to offer customers all of the content in the, regardless of the need. So to keep the customer within the platform. And obviously content like HBO Discover, HBO More is, is the content of focused watching this evening, primetime watching, which is complemented, for example, by Discovery Plus content, which can work well as a background. It can play in the background. We can do all this ironing, cooking, and all, all other stuff. So, but to wrap up, uh, we we don't see global giants as the our competition. We uh, much more see them as the partners to go together. I agree. For us, it's a bit of a different situation because some of the markets we operate in are considered priority markets for some of the global uh, players. So, it's not like we can partner up. Um, but we also don't consider ourselves to be in competition with the likes of Netflix, uh, uh, Disney Plus, etc. Um, what we do do is uh, we basically go for straight up acquisition um, deals, and we do go for branded partnerships. Right. So um, this is basically the focus of our activities beyond the region. Okay. And um, in terms of the production sort of side of things, and and co-production side of things one of the things we're interested in exploring throughout this event is is, is the you know the development the growth of, of pan regional co-productions you, you highlighted the you know the differing languages that you're, you're dealing with which presents yeah. issues but you know what, what's going on in that no space? that that's one of the challenges we have uh, Baltic countries three neighboring countries uh, close to, to to each other culturally same same historical context but uh, Content doesn't travel that well between Baltic countries. We uh, we are looking for this holy grail to produce, and there there has been certain uh, attempts so far. There are titles we recently launched Chernobyl. This is the um, the, the the series about the real events that happened after um, in in the power plant uh, after uh, Russia invaded uh, Ukraine, and that content traveled really well. But that, if you look at the cast, uh, these are Ukrainian actors, and that, that is more kind of international. We produce a lot of crime, uh, and even crime is very specific to Lithuania. doesn't work uh, well in, in, in Latvia. But we are looking into that uh, more and more. Of course, uh, it's a monetization uh, issue, but as well, we, we do... Uh, want to partner, we started some discussions, we licensed uh, some of our content to colleagues from United Media. We want to go beyond uh, the Baltics only. And with the international partners, uh, currently we are in discussions with one of those uh, whom I mentioned uh, on producing, localizing the one of the formats in, in, in the Baltics. 
So, um, well, um, if we are talking about the region, like we are, it's the same language, but uh, uh, not really. But still, um, like Telecom Serbia is not only focused on Serbia in the sense of cast and creators. So um, I can say that uh, most of our titles are actually regional in the sense of uh, creative authors. Uh, for example, I see here Gabor Krigler. He's actually the creator of the one of the titles that uh, is um, actually financed by Telecom Serbia and it is 90% produced in Bosnia. So for us, is like uh, uh, we see the region we operate in the in the four countries of the region. So uh, uh, we, we are seeing it as unique. So we are present there in the sense of our operations, but also creatively and in the sense of production. So. So similarly to what Yasmina already said, so we also take an organic approach to our co-productions, which is easier when you have a linguistic proximity, which we do, for example, have in the case of Czech Republic and Slovakia, where the content uh, travels freely both ways. Um, so all of the SWOT originals that we commission are actually co-productions between Czech Republic and Slovakia for those two markets. So that's a fairly easy thing to do also. Uh, the use of creative talent, etc. It's it's very easy in the uh, Adria region, right? So where we um, last year acquired a broadcaster in Croatia, and we are where we are planning to launch the Voya platform. As Yasmina said, it's pretty natural. It comes naturally that you look at it in a bigger context because there is a cultural and linguistic proximity. So it's very easy to embark on co-production projects. We have time for, for questions, if anybody has any. A hand's going up straight over there. Uh, so I have a question to, uh, to Jan on Baltics. So here's the thing. Um, is, there, um, is there appetite uh, for English language films that are filmed in Baltics, but not really representing any you know, cultural aspect or stories coming from Baltics? Like, for example, we have a film that um, based on Ukrainian book with a director from Finland, Aku, who's behind the Unknown Soldier, and um, cast from the United States, UK, stuff like that. Would it be something that you guys um, come on board as partners, not like commissioners, but more like partners um, in early stages? And um, what would be the cap in terms of the financial involvement? Sure, I, I think we are not uh, very specific in the Baltics that people want to watch good stories. So if the story is good, uh, English language is uh, not an issue even to the extent that uh, in many cases it does not need to be localized. There is especially, I mean, depending on uh, what is the audience, uh, people do watch in, in English, uh, especially younger ones. And um, no, absolutely, we are looking into this kind of projects as well to bring more kind of national. It is important in, in the Baltics to have some local aspect. I mean, it, as everywhere, I think it's not also sp something specific, but especially in, the, in, this, in small countries, uh, being part, for people being part, having some kind of aspect in the bigger story, which yeah. is international, is also it works for, for the sports, where when the Lithuanian, Latvian or, or Estonian sportsmen, it's not, not too much interesting for local audience when they are fighting against each other, 
but it's really interesting when the, the Lithuanian athlete gets into fighting the best in the world. Same here for scripted content. If there is some aspect, if there is some storyline which uh, which uh, um, touches the, the, the localness. Um, I don't know how, how much you are familiar with the Italian mafia, Gomorra. Uh, and then Gomorra, I love the series, one of my favorites. And then there was a spin-off movie, Immortale. And this uh, movie was actually filmed in Riga, in, in Latvia. And it was a very nice way in for, for Latvian audience to, to, to watch it. So. As I said, there, 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 I think there must be this local element. Otherwise, you land on the shelf together with 18,000 hours of content which we do have on the platform. That's the reality. Does anybody else have any questions? Yes. Um, hello. A question for Yasmina Lacobria, Dobardan. Um, I would like to, to ask you, uh, is there also discussions with uh, other broadcasters within Serbia who uh, want to follow uh, you on some projects where you could... Uh, collaborate with other yeah, broadcasters from Serbia? Yes, we, uh, uh, in the past, we actually had collaborations and co-productions with national broadcasters. And um, actually, right now, we mainly uh, license our content to, to national and uh, uh, cable broadcasters. So, and the, the same thing is in the whole region. So, um, in that sense, uh, we are collaborating now, but we are always open for partnerships uh, in the sense of co-production. But we are licensing our content in the whole region. Actually, I can give you a figure. Last year, uh, for example, Play platform in RTL platform in Croatia actually acquired 14 of our titles. So with Prava, it's the same. It's around five, six, or seven titles a year, etc. So I could go <laughs> through, through all the countries. Just as we draw to a close, I mean, what, what do you sort of see as the biggest challenges facing your businesses over the sort of the coming 12 months? And what are some of the things, I guess, that you would like to, to see happen or change within the industry, maybe, that would help you kind of overcome those challenges? I think the biggest challenge for, for us is capacity, right? So it's it's the capacity in terms of creative talent um, in front and, be, and behind the camera is the production capacity as well because we are now living uh, still um, you know through this glut in um, in uh, content commissioning um, local content availability but we also have to compete for one and the same talent and capacity with international producers, broadcasters, uh, streamers who come to our countries and uh, um, produce their content and also take advantage of uh, tax schemes, uh, etc. Et right? So this, this is the main challenge we see in the, in the, in the coming years. So if I can add, we are in a similar situation to with, with the producers, although there is not that many international ones uh, who would be willing to produce locally, so a bit better situation. On the original side, as for the first two or three years, we have been experimenting a lot. We have produced uh, more than 1,000 hours of, of original content, and that was and of very conscious experimenting to optimize it on the later stage and to have a proper pattern for... Um, so that's one of the challenges, how to optimize. And the, the other one, I think, that connected with the... I don't want to call it crisis. I, I don't think we are in a crisis situation, but the people are getting more cautious about their spendings. And especially for, for the platforms, it's very important to... 
I mean, if you look at the OTT streaming platforms, there are two baskets. One is uh, must-have, and the other one is nice to have on top of other services I have. So for us as the streamers, as the OTT platforms, it's really important, and we need to do it in a fast way to get into the must-have uh, basket. So that when uh, people, and they, they do, and they will be cutting on the, the causes, 5, 10 euro here and there, they optimize this, uh, the spendings, so that we are not in the basket to cut uh, uh, first. And that, that's what we are getting ready for. If you look at our programming, it's, as I said, it's across all the needs, all the genres, but also we do have linear channels uh, on, on the platforms. Uh, we do have sports. So we are trying to serve like full household, household needs and become the platform of choice, in many cases even uh, uh, at, the, at the cost for customer, the cost of cutting the IPTV or satellite or, or other pay TV platforms. I think that's, that's a challenge. We need to do it fast. Otherwise, uh, when there is really some, some real crisis happening, then that we don't suffer that much on the subscribers side. Okay, well, uh, we are a telco operator, so we have mobiles, television, internet. So in that sense, like uh, we already have like uh, 11.2 million subscribers worldwide and 1.6 million subscribers uh, in multimedia. So it's a little bit different when you come from that position in the sense of uh, OTT platforms. And, but um, production-wise, we actually created for the first time after 20 years the environment in Serbia where you had a production on this scale. So we created like a market economically. So we are actually facing the rise of budgets uh, enormously. But still, when you have that environment where, where, where it's produced on that scale, uh, actually it brings creativity and some new talents and some new creators and actors, etc. So right now we have five years behind us and um, we know our authors and I think the better projects are yet to come because like, we are now in, into practice. What about the war in Ukraine? Um, obviously, it's had a dramatic effect on everybody, not least, obviously, people in, in Ukraine. But in, in terms of your businesses as well, I guess that another aspect to it is across the Balkans as well, that, you know, Russian language content was something that, you know, you were kind of serving up as well. It's a sensitive subject, but um, I'm just wondering if you can kind of address any of those impacts and uh, obviously yeah, we, we the had, We had this discussion before the panel and I think it's more relevant how we, how we discuss to Baltic markets, uh, um, especially Latvia, Estonia, where there, there used to be a, a, a large availability of Russian-originated uh, content, Russian-language content, and naturally there is a demand for Russian-language content and actually Russian content as well. We as a group, one of the first uh, ones made a decision to, to uh, cut all the content in the Russian content, uh, including linear and, and, and VOD. Um, content, so we do not uh, provide that. Though uh, one thing is to watch uh, Russian originated content, and the other one is to watch uh, with Russian localization. So that's what we do provide. There is uh, pretty many people, especially in Latvia, who prefer to watch with Russian uh, Russian language. Uh, it, it brought us a lot of turbulence, to, to, to be honest. Uh, some of the players in the market, they used to have like the, the 30, 40 Russian-originated uh, channels on the platform. And 
there is this demand stays. It's not that it uh, disappears together with the, the war and the turbulence. So there is an outflow of customers to pirated services. Um, quite many customers uh, went there. Our approach to that is like we understand that there is a need for, for this kind of content and the content in Russian language. So we, we partnered with Ukrainian content providers and we kind of replaced the Russian content with Ukrainian content, which quite often comes with uh, Russian language. So that's, that's our... But that there has been quite a turbulence. But we as a group, we, we made a decision. It was the, the only right decision to, to drop the content, no matter what the price is. Igor? Yeah, since February last year, we stopped um, providing, carrying any Russian language content on our platforms. Um, that was, uh, you know, exactly the right thing to do. Um, in most of our territories, we do not see a big appetite or demand uh, for this kind of content, so we did not suffer any adverse impact from that decision. Did you want to add something as well? Well, like we have uh, like two thematic cable channels, Superstar One and Two, but it's basically based on library blockbusters, movies from the majors in English language, and our own series. So we didn't have to make the cuts actually in Russian. Okay. Well, um, thanks very much to the to the panel for joining us. Yan, Yasmin, and Igor. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's all for this episode, but you can hear more discussion by tuning into our C21 FM internet radio station from Monday. The podcast will be back next Friday. In the meantime, stay up to date with all the latest international TV industry news and views by following C21 online, on mobile and social media. My name's Jonathan Webdale. Thanks for listening.